Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Molly Green and Darren Rudge. Alan, Alan, it's Molly and Darren. Hello, Molly and Darren. Hello, How are you, you recognise us? I do, I do. Yeah, sure you do. The Happy Garden. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, welcome to the Happy Garden Podcast. My name is Molly, and this year is your expert, Darren Rudge. Hello, hello, uh, Dazzler, and I hope, dear uh, pod people, whenever you are listening to this, that the sun is shining down on you. Because as Darren and I record this, it is the most beautiful sunny autumn day. The air smells clean and fresh and earthy. The colours of the trees against the blue sky are breathtaking. It is like being plugged in and being recharged. Do you feel like that today, Dan? I do. It's glorious. And it's a nice, sharp day, isn't it? It is. Once you get outside. And there's a bit of a breeze. I've got all the dog bedding outside. Makes you feel good to be alive. It does. It makes you feel alive. One thing that isn't so good, uh, Darren, and you did text me a good 20 minutes ago to say you're ready for recording, and I was a little late dialing you because I was chasing a massive fly around the house with a tea towel. (laughs) (laughs) I did get it out in the end, though. Big black flies everywhere. (laughs) I quite miss you today because you were literally um, knee to knee with me this time last week in in this ear room. That's right, but uh, my neck's recovered after being just on a short lead. <laughs> Literally. My headphones. So. Uh, Is it good to be back home? <laughs> I am missing you, but I'm not. Darren's headphone wires uh, wire is the size or the length, should I say, of a shoestring. So I plugged Darren into the equipment in, in, in this room last week and uh, you, were like, you were like bent over like that, weren't you? Yeah, was yeah. Every time you laughed, you tried to throw your head back and got whipped back down again. It's quite funny. Just like having whiplash. <laughs> Anyway, I'm here in my pod room and now Darren's in his house as well. But we're with you with a really, really packed podcast. We're in double figures now. This is pod 10, isn't it, Adas? Yes, double figures. Yay. 10 weeks, oh, Molly. Yeah! So thank you if you're still listening. <laughs> <laughs> this week we have an awful lot to get through. We've got Andy Lound a little bit later on, award-winning author, historian and presentator. Um, Andy Lound, history of foxgloves today. Wow. Darren, that's an interesting one. 
Yeah. Mm. Um, Paul Hetherington from Bug Life, he's going to join us. We're talking spiders, garden spiders, house spiders, where they fit into the chain of your garden. I know you're doing money saving today, aren't you? I am. I'm doing a money-saving tip. I've got propagating bulbs. If you naughty people have not got your spring bulbs <laughs> into the ground yet, well, just hang back, hang fire a little, because how would you like to propagate 20 plants from one bulb? I'm going to tell you how to. What? Gardening jokes for the week, Molly? I've got five good ones today. And then probably some jobs for people to be up to. How about that? All of this and more still to come on The Happy Garden with Molly Green and Darren Rudge. Darren? <laughs> Hello. What do you call a Spanish guy who's been discharged from hospital? I don't know. Manuel. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, man. Well, right. Shall we start with some jobs for the week ahead? <laughs> the weather looks uh, well. It looks okay. I, um, it looks fine. It's autumnal. <laughs> Do you want me to have a quick look before we start? Okay. I think it'll be a bit windy, a bit wet. Yeah. There's a few sunny spells. Yes. It's autumn. It is. Abs- you're absolutely spot on. It's around 11, 12 there degrees across the UK, and everything Darren just said. My bunion was right then. Your bunion. <laughs> Has it been throbbing? Yeah, it was throbbing. Was it throbbing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do some jobs for the week ahead then, our Darren. Now in the happy garden. Okay. Oh, I say, sweetie, this is my favourite bit. Time for Darren to be absolutely flabulous and regale us with his gardening jobs for the week ahead. Well, yes. Go. Okay, folks, so it's time to tidy up those roses. So, really, it's time to give them a good cut back and shorten those stems to prevent wind rocking over the autumn months and into the wind into the winter. If you get a windy day, then it can tear the root system. So, do prune your roses back by at least half. Losses of trees and shrubs planted in water sodden ground especially uh, the rain that we've had in this country over the last few weeks can be problematic so do have a look at your plants uh, have a look at the soil around and about and just give a little bit of a dig around if you can do just to aerate the soil and to relieve that water pressure especially around newly planted plants you can prune lower branches of garden trees and shrubs off as well to let light in for the autumn and the winter period now plant any spring bulbs that you have right now folks so uh, get them into the ground, you naughty people, if you haven't already done so. <laughs> how, how did I know you were going to use the words naughty people whilst talking about Well, books? they are naughty people. I've been telling them for, <laughs> since podcast six. Yeah, you have. I mean, I'm podcast ten now. To be fair, you have. And do you know, I still haven't got any in. I haven't bought any, though, in my defence. I know, I haven't done them yet. <laughs> naughty, naughty Molly. Oh, Darren, I forgot to tell you. Oh! <laughs> I've got the podcast phone out. Beca- oh, no. Because, no, it's fine. Do you know, we have, I don't think we've used the phone. Here it is. I don't think we've used this phone, which I pay £7.50 a month for, for the podcast. Um, I think we've used it once on podcast one. Then <laughs> 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 it's been in a lead line drawer since then. So let me give you the question. And we do have a phone number that goes with it. So I thought, why not? So the question that we had on the email, which is the Happy Garden Podcast at gmail.com, you would be more than welcome to get in touch. The Happy Garden Podcast at gmail.com. And this question is from Keith in Ellswood. He says, Hello, Molly Darren. I've just had a week of hospital and doctors. 
It started with a red thumb that started to spread at my arm. The doctors thought it was a bite or a thorn that had caused it. Could you do a bit on care in the garden, i.e. gloves, etc.? What do you think? Hope you're both well. Enjoy your programme. Perhaps speak to you, Keith. So, uh, so shall I just give him a bell, Dazzler? Yeah, let's give him a call. Give him a call. Do you think he's in? Well, <laughs> only one way to find out. <laughs> Let's see if he's in. <gasps> there he goes, ringing. Hello. Hey, Keith, it's Molly. Hello, Molly. How oh, are you today? you're in. Really well, thank you. How are you enjoying this sparkling autumn sunshine, Keith? It was lovely this morning. We played golf at eight o'clock. Oh, did you win? It went. No, we don't. We don't. We're not that serious in this weather. Oh, a bit of fun. Oh, but it was wet underfoot, wasn't it, on the course? Yeah, yeah. You just got to keep changing your swing and hoping for the best. But we we enjoy it. We were out there, and that's all that mattered. Oh, just beautiful, beautiful day to be out and about. Listen, I got your email about your thumb and your hand. Firstly, before I introduce you to Darren, how are you doing with all the hospital and the doctors? It, it's quite cured now. I've still got a bit of skin coming off my hand, but the pain's all gone. I can do it. I can do most things now. But it, well, I wouldn't wish it on anyone, Molly. And it was something, really something from the garden. Let's introduce our dazzler. Darren Keith, Keith Darren. Hi, Keith. Hello, Darren. Are you all right? I'm all right, thank you. And are you well? Yeah, I say I'm recovering now. Um, I did lose a lot of weight and I lost, well, I lost that much sleep in two in the week. It's not much fun being in hospital. And where do you think this came from, Keith? It was, I put it down to it, a rose or a bite, yeah. a spike off a rose. I yeah. do remember, you see a bit of blood, you just wipe it or you just put it under the tap. Yeah. But I can't actually remember exactly where it happened. So, uh, Keith, it's a really important point that you bring up because roses in particular, uh, that one of their defence mechanisms sounds pretty obvious, doesn't it, is their thorns. But it's not just the prick of the thorn. The thorn is actually laden with bacteria. So it's absolutely yeah. ram-jam-cram full of bacteria. So if you get a prick off a thorn, you should really wash your hands straight away and sterilise the yeah. area. If you leave a thorn in there, that's even worse because the bacteria can just infest and then it can become septic, which is probably what happened to your finger, you know, when, when you got this prick. Um, and, and like you say, uh, us gardeners, we're roughy-tufty people, aren't we? And we just basically yeah. just wipe it off and, and that's it, job done. It does prove a massive point about roses and thorns. Uh, the prick itself can be dangerous because that can let in things, can't it? But the yeah. actual thorn itself is laden with bacteria. Hopefully you're up well and truly on the mend now. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't wish it on anyone because the speed it spread at going up my arm. Yeah. What was what was the timeline, Keith? Was it, did it happen the same day? You had a prick. You you wiped no, off the no, blood. No, no, I don't, I don't actually. I don't actually. The first thing, thing I seen was this um, purple thumb. I put some germline on it, yeah, but that sa- didn't do anything. Same day. I was on the Friday. Yeah. So then I went straight to the doctor, uh, straight to the chemist, and he said, "Ring one one one." Oh gosh. So I rang one one one. I got an appointment. They had a look at it. They said, if it gets any worse, come back. That was on the Saturday, so I rung up on the Saturday, and they said, well, you can't just go back. We'll send an ambulance out, or we'll send a doctor out, 
He come out at three o'clock the next morning. He sent for an ambulance, which wow. come out afterwards, and then we went to hospital. So was this possible sepsis? Was it tracking up your arm, the infection? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was good. You could see it going up the veins. Each day, they just do the line where it was so that it was as that how far it had travelled. Well, D- Darren, as, 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 you, as you mentioned, is a great point, well raised. I, I, I take it, Darren, would you just always advocate gloves? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, with roses, you need really thick gloves to, to yeah. be utilising. You know, almost the the gauntlet type. I really advocate the thinner gloves when you're you're doing just ordinary garden tasks, because you shouldn't really be touching the soil because of the stuff that's actually contained within the soil. That and if you're prone to the sort of stuff that the Keith might be prone to then you'll pick it up really, really quickly. And lockjaw is still out there, folks. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. we, we often think about lockjaw as a, as a thing that's in the past, but no, uh, make sure your tetanus is up to date. Always check yeah. with your GP because, you know, it's always better to be safe than sorry. And, Keith, unfortunately, you're, you're case in point, aren't you, really, at the end of the day? Yeah, I mean, um, I've been gardening for 60 years. Yeah. And I've never had any problem. And then it's and just, just this, silly, this silly one and bang, you're gone. Yeah, that's it, yeah. All it takes. Uh, well, thank the Lord they acted quickly for you, Keith. Keith, all that aside, and as, as to echo what Darren said, thank goodness you're OK, how has your garden been this year? How's it growing? All good? Up and down. I think the garden thought autumn had come in August. Yeah. But we had a good, we didn't have a bad crop. The angel trumpets didn't do too good. And of course, you know about the morning glory. The morning glory. <laughs> Everybody knows about your morning glory. I <laughs> said, <laughs> 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 I'll send you the photos of the flowers to show I was genuine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, photos are always lovely when 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 you guys email in an attached photo is fabulous. So thank you for letting us see that. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, Keith. Thank Thank you ever so much for having a word with us. You've got a nice afternoon planned now you're back off the, the golf course. No, not, not a lot. I'm just having a little pond around the garden. That's it. Perfect. And, uh... Sounds like a nice afternoon in my book. Well, listen, we will speak to you again on the Happy Garden Podcast. You are always more than yeah, welcome. Yeah, yeah. No, I, to I still on. listen to you on, uh, on your blog. And... Brilliant. Lovely to have you with us, our Keith. Thanks, Keith. And you, and you, both of you. Thank you, you very care. much. Bye-bye. Bye, Keith. Bye. Bye-bye. Oh, isn't he lovely? Love Keith. Yeah, what a great guy. And just a case in point that it's better to be safe than sorry, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah, wear your gardening gloves, folks. And some people say, I can't wear gardening gloves, but there are the latex ones which are as good as skin. So, <laughs> yeah, but still you know, give you protection. Yeah. I do remember yep. you doing a, a feature for us and it was after an event that happened to me and it makes me feel queasy just thinking about it. I had no gloves on and I was potting and my hand... I won't give too many details here because, honestly, it sends me crazy thinking about it. My hand was in the potting compost bag, you know, the big bag, and mm. a splinter of something went underneath my nail. I mean, yeah. really underneath my nail. I remember you doing a feature on, on, on the hazards of gardening, and that was one of them regarding gloves. Just sticking your hand blind into yeah. compost can be yeah. a bad thing. Well, especially recycled compost that possibly comes from your local authority mm. because you cannot be sure what's in that. Yeah, they say they uh, they recycle it and, you know, I have found personally all sorts of things in there. So glass. Oh, like what? That sounds interesting. <laughs> well, glass, wood chip. Oh. I've found nappies in there, Molly. Really? So, yeah, really. 
Yeah. yeah. Just be careful out there, folks. <laughs> it might be cheap for a reason. Uh, you only get what you pay for in this world, don't you? Just be really, really careful. Just check before you actually, you know, you start working through blindly. Yeah. Because it just takes a second, doesn't it? Or a millisecond. And that's it. You're off to hospital. I think I said this to you on the back of when you did do that feature to reiterate. And it's not as, as fine as as council bought compost it wasn't bagged but you know i metal detect and i was on a farmer's field who had bought council compost as i say not as refined as you know a 20 liter bag or anything he bought it in bulk and he'd spread it on his field and it um it ruined it ruined the history of the field because it was so contaminated with bouncy balls children's toys crisp packets kit kat wrappers there was so much rubbish in there and it was supposed to have been sieved and sorted through and everything but you know it, it's not a catch-all system is it the recycling no. um, industry so you're you're absolutely right dazzler it's 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 not a hundred percent no not at all no if you buy that sort of stuff just be very very yeah. careful and just check it if you'd like to get in touch with molly green and darren rudge at the happy garden podcast then all you have to do is follow them on social media. Just search for The Happy Garden Podcast. If you'd like to send them an email at The Happy Garden Podcast, you can email thehappygardenpodcast at gmail.com. Can we say Happy Garden Podcast just one more time? The Happy Garden Podcast. We're going to be back very, very shortly with a question Sarah's sent in about a rose that has mysteriously changed colour. Have I sent you the picture of this? That's oh, I you have. Yeah, 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 this is a good question. Yeah, it's good. We'll do that very, very shortly. Right now, though, and it's something you guys have been asking us to talk about. In fact, I think you preliminarily raised this a few weeks ago, Darren, just how many spiders, Boris spiders, are in the house. Yeah, they're all coming indoors now, aren't they? <laughs> well, that you see now, now, listen, this is what I thought. This is what I thought, that there are outdoor spiders coming in. Oh. No, well, are they not? Well, apparently not, <laughs> as we're about to be told. Because in the week, I spoke to Paul Hetherington, our very good friend. He's one of our best friends on the podcast now, isn't he, Paul? He's lovely. From Bug Life. Um, yeah, talking about spiders. Now, part one coming up. And yet, yeah, first question was Are house spiders simply garden spiders coming in? Not at all, no. Garden spiders will generally just live outside. And house spiders tend to live inside. And house spiders are really what has developed from things that used to be cave living spiders and and similar. So they've always lived in this sort of under sort of cover space, whereas your um, garden spider always lived outdoors. So would a house spider be in the garden during the summer months? I mean, we only sort of tend to see them now. So how does all that work? Your house spider will spend virtually the entirety of its life within your house. You generally don't see them because they like to avoid humans because we're kind of large and frightening to them. Uh, and they'll be found in places like the attic, on the floorboards, you know, all these sort of places we don't tend to look or on the underside of your sofa, anywhere that you're unlikely to see them. But at this time of year you tend to see them a lot more because this is when they have to start putting on display in a show in order to attract another spider because it's it's mating time for spiders. They're in the mood for love. So you're telling me that the massive Boris spiders, as big as a teacup, 
they're here all the time. We just don't see them, the big ones. Yeah, they will be living out of sight. Um, and again, they're generally nocturnal animals. So uh, unless you're doing a, a late night shift, you're unlikely to see them and you put the light on and they'll scurry out of the way. You're very unlikely to see them other times of the year, but this is the time of year when they've got to get out there, they've got to impress in order to be able to procreate. I've, have you ever seen, I was going to say, I've never seen a spider having sexuals procreating. It's something that we just don't see. Is it anything you've witnessed or do they do that in private as well? No, you, you, you can see it happening. The, the males are generally considerably smaller than the female. Yeah. And it's a bit of a, a, a one-shot job for the male because... Virtually every time at the end of it, the uh, female catches the male and uh, wraps him up to be a nice little supper. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's one shot only for them. Wow, literally. If they're very fast, yeah, if they're very fast, they might get away with two. Um, but that's about the limit for a male spider. If they're very fast. Do, well, like, they must know what's coming. I suppose some do leg it. Yeah, but it's about survival of the species, isn't it? I mean, one of the most beautiful spiders is the ladybird spider and it's only the male that takes on that beautiful uh, red ladybird like appearance and they only take that on when they're ready to mate which is almost seven years into their lifespan and they'll last for about two months and probably mate twice during that time before the female catches them and uh, that's it. Paul I've never even heard of a ladybird spider is that an indoor or an outdoor? Very much an outdoor spider it's um one of the rarest spiders now in the UK. Um, it used to be found anywhere from the New Forest round to the lizard. Bug Life actually been doing some work with this spider because when we started with it, it was literally left on one site on the Dorset Heath, about the size of a tennis court. Yeah. I'm pleased to say it's now on 19 separate sites. If you have a holiday in the Mediterranean, particularly places like Greece or Turkey, you may well see a very close relative of it because they also have ladybird spiders over there. They're slightly different to our one, but very, very similar. As far as UK gardens go, Paul, are most of the things we have here native or do we have the same problem that we have with lots of things globally now where spiders are imported, well, in all sorts of global traffic and we do have non-natives here now? We, we do have a number of non-native species that have managed to establish themselves in the UK. Most notably, I suppose, is the noble false widow spider, uh, which has come across and originally was only found down in sort of southern parts and generally died out over winter and then repopulated in the summer coming in from abroad. Uh, it's now found across much of the UK and it is breeding over here. Uh, and that's one of the few spiders in the UK that's capable of biting human skin and it is slightly venomous. Um, then there's also the wasp spider which again is a non-native and was originally confined to a small area on the south coast but you will now find it anywhere really from uh, the Midlands and across into the, the sort of South Wales and all the way down. It is a very beautiful spider. It has its name because its body is striped like a wasp, yellow and black yeah. stripes. Very, very, very easy to spot if you're out. And it's a, it's a out in the meadows, I'm laying webs, whereas your noble false widow is a house spider. Paul Hetherington there from Bug Life. We'll be back with Paul um, in a little while, asking just how important spiders are to the chain of the garden, where they sit, what they exactly do. They are, Darren, one... One wow. shot job. Well, <laughs> what can you say? What can you say? Yeah. One shot job. Those blokes have a terrible time, don't they? Occasionally. You know. <laughs>
I did see, I, I will put up on the Facebook page, there was a big Boris spider on the wall the other day. I mean, the yeah. size of a teacup. And it was dead a couple of days later. I did think, I hope you enjoyed yourself. <laughs> I hope it was worth it. <laughs> Had he not got one leg out <laughs> in a fist pump? <laughs> Yes! Yeah, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> Poor thing. Well, that's nature. Nature, very cruel. Yeah, nature's very cruel. Very cruel. And uh, it's recycling, though, isn't it? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Anyway, pull back with us uh, in a little while <laughs> here on the Happy Garden Podcast. One-shot job. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I like that description. Two if they're very, very lucky and quick. <laughs> A gigolo. <laughs> In comparative terms. Right, let's get back to uh, to the emails. Darren is here uh, for you to... Um... <laughs> what's, what's the word? Interrogate. I don't know. Interrogate. Pick his brains. Yeah, it's uh, not a one-shot job. He's here for you. He's more than a one-shot job. <laughs> so much more. He's here for you, let's just say that. The Happy Garden Podcast at gmail.com. Is our email, the Happy Garden Podcast at gmail.com. But we are on the Facebook page as well, the Happy Garden Podcast on Facebook. And of course, I've got mine, Molly Green with an IE, and Darren has his uh, with, with how, just how you think you'd spell Darren Rudge. <laughs> Am I right? Although you do yeah. have several, so you're the one in yeah. the blue shirt. Yeah, in the blue shirt, not the one with the pumpkin on. <laughs> no, that's a different one. Although I do it's like that, one. I like that picture. Yeah, you took that picture. I did take that picture, didn't I? You did, yeah. That seems a yeah. long time ago. It does, yeah. Anyway, listen, our email is open if you want to add Darren. So let's get on to another one here. Lovely Molly and Darren. Oh, thank you. No, no, lovely Molly, <laughs> comma, and Darren. <laughs> right, OK. All right. <laughs> There's no comma, I'm kidding. Got it. No <laughs> Got it. All right. I know my position. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I emailed David Austin in the summer as my Lady of Shalott changed from deep orange to a sort of ivory cream colour. Brackets, mm. my rose was from David Austin about 10 years ago. I have deleted the reply, Molly, but they did suggest I had moved it a couple of years ago and this might be the reason. What do you think, Sarah? Yeah, it's, it's quite often the case that if you move a rose to a different part of the garden, or actually if you move house, then you're dealing with different conditions. So um, you're dealing with different ground conditions. Even if you move it to a different part of the garden, folks, the pH can be different or the ground conditions can be actually different. In, in any, even in a small garden, you can have several different conditions to actually be dealing with. This can affect the colour of flowers quite drastically because plants uh, use pH, you know, the... Um, as acid or alkaline scales, as we call them, or neutral, which is the uh, what we really want to be growing in. As pigments, they affect the pigment that's actually in the flower itself. In 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 this case, uh, with Sarah's rose, so it can deepen pigments but as well as it can extract colours from uh, roses themselves. What else affects plants is temperature and sunlight and things like that in a garden space. So if you've moved your rose and it's colder, again, the colour could change slightly or significantly if the temperature differences are significantly different to where you had that rose to begin with, Sarah. 
So I'm not surprised that your rose may well have changed colour because you've moved it probably to a different part of the garden or you may have moved a dress. Those are the issues for the rose itself and the effects are caused by things like ground conditions, contains more water or the pH is slightly different or whether the above ground conditions are different. Perhaps it's in more for, it's, it's in full sun or it might be windier or it might be colder. All those things can have effect on the way our plants flower and the actual colour the flowers produce. It's a really fantastic question Molly, it really really is because people can't can't sort of uh, fathom mm. why flowers would suddenly change colour but they do and they extract those tones and those pigments from the flower because they're not given to them by the conditions that they're actually growing in and that's the answer to Sarah's question undoubtedly. I do feel duty bound to wheel out the Pete Waterman story. Okay. The lilies. Yeah, mm. yeah lilies, yeah. Mm. Uh, Darren and I, every year, you'll find us at Gardener's World Live at the NEC in Birmingham. Have Always, we're, we grew up there, didn't we, Darren? We've been yeah. going there since you know, the year dot. Darren, I just go for a jolly. Uh, Darren actually works. You're one of the experts there, aren't you, on the, on the stage? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we used to work yeah. For, yeah, for quite some time with Pete Waterman, lovely Pete Waterman. Mm. We love Pete, don't we? He's us. Yeah. And he's quite a gardener. Well, I say, he's, well, he's got a gardener. Let's, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's not... Yeah. Let's yeah. be correct. Let's be, yeah, let's be honest. <laughs> uh, but he does love his garden. So one year, Darren and I were at the NEC, and because, of course, like because we're working there, and I think I was working there as well, you get to stay behind. And of, of a Sunday at four o'clock, it's about four o'clock it closes, five o'clock, Darren, so they start to sell off all the plants and people don't want to... The, the growers and the, the exhibitors don't want to take things home. No. <laughs> they don't want to take things home with them. So, because Darren and I were working there, obviously the show's closed and Darren and I are still there. And, you know, access all areas. So, there again, I don't think I can drag you into my skip-dipping... <laughs> Story, uh, totally. Although, can I? Because I was, I, wa I, I was holding I was, on to your ankles. I was getting food out of the bin. Because <laughs> <laughs> the cafes and everything, everything went into the skip, and it was all absolutely fine. So yeah, I was getting it back out of the skip. And when it came to the lily bulbs, yeah, I, I instructed Darren to um, be my accomplice and hold my ankles. <laughs> <laughs> Which you did willingly because you were going to get you were going to reap some of the benefits as well because one skip was full of lily bulbs, wasn't it? Yeah. Which we'd seen earlier in the day being sold for a fortune. So uh, so Darren and I went and scavenged loads of them. And we were really nice, weren't we? And we gave some to charity and we gave lots to everybody at work, Pete Waterman being one of the recipients. <laughs> so it transpired uh, they were the most beautiful yellow lilies. Absolutely stunning. Absolutely stunning. I mean, they were sort of show quality, weren't they, Darren? They were lovely. And we'd given some to Pete and he was really happy and everything. And then the next year, the strangest thing happened. All of our lilies, Pete's, mine, yours, Darren, they all turned the most vibrant. I, it was almost like a smarty orange and it, they were horrible, horrible. And uh, Pete was livid. <laughs> I do remember. He was absolutely, he was fuming because they were horrible when they were orange. But they just changed colour year on year. Yeah. So, and this is the reason why. Um, and, and it's strange that it did, they did it in all our gardens, but obviously, you know, they need a particular pH. It's probably why they didn't sell them was in the skip. <laughs> 
Maybe. But it wasn't just a different shade. They'd totally turned, hadn't they? Yeah, yeah. And it, it can, it can affect. I mean, uh, some lilies are just pot bound so you just yeah. pop them in pots and use a particular compost so it may may have been something like that and yeah. uh, soil conditions affects uh, the actual um, color of the uh, the flower so I'm, once they've settled in, they actually change. I remember so there in, you go. he said that he looked like his garden had been tangoed. He was really angry. <laughs> he made his gardener dig them all up. Now, aquilegias are another plant we can talk about colour changes, oh, yeah. uh, Molly, but uh, they're naughty flowers, aquilegias. Because you can plant aquilegias and they are one colour one year and then the next year they've changed colour and actually what you've got is not the actual aquilegias that you bought because they just seed everywhere, don't they? Because aquilegias are promiscuous. <laughs> they cross, spiders. They, they cross, yeah, exactly. They cross-pollinate cross really freely. And what you end up with in, in the second year is a cross between two different types of aquilegia and a different coloured plant. So there you go. <laughs> so it works both ways, doesn't it? The Happy Garden Podcast. I'm Adam Frost and you're listening to the Happy Garden Podcast with... Molly Green and that Darren Rudge fella. We will be back with your questions very, very shortly. John's got a question about overwintering begonias for you, Adazler, which we'll get to uh, in a little while. Great. 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 The Happy Garden Podcast at gmail.com is our email if uh, any questions that you like. Now, Hawthorne News, I thought I'd squeeze this in at this uh, juncture of the Happy Garden Podcast, Darren. Some good news. Go on then. <laughs> a bumper Hawthorne berry crop has happened this autumn already. It's the biggest since records began 20 years ago and it's bringing a massive boost for wildlife. Saw this in the papers uh, the week just gone. Hedgerows, woodlands right across the UK are awash with red berries, which nature experts at the Woodland Trust are describing as one of the biggest crops ever, which is great news. And this could prove vitally important for migrating birds that um, have been battered or blown off course, because of course we've had all the high winds and we've had several storms, Kieron being the latest one. Uh, so the migratory birds will really, really find this advantageous. And Dr Judith Garforth, who's from the Woodland Trust Citizen Science uh, Project, said it's really, really good news for all wildlife and halls are eaten by migrating birds such as red wings and field fares and thrushes as well as small mammals. We've got an exceptional crop at the moment and it's been put down to a mild spring where temperatures, as we know, were above average. And the white hawthorn flower blooms, I remember this, Darren, when they were pollinated, um, obviously it's, it's those that go on to produce the red fruits in autumn. But the hawthorn flowers earlier on this year started to open in spring and the data shows that the national average of the first flowering of hawthorn was May the 1st this year. I remember that being in the news. And that apparently is perfect timing for, common, for the, the common name, the May tree, obviously the 1st of May, and the warm, dry weather in May, also ideal for pollinating insects as well. So a cumulative effect that we have got the biggest bumper crop, which is brilliant news for migrating birds and all wildlife. And it has been a dazzling display. It's quite correct. I mm. mean, the hawthorn. I do a lot of walking, so... Um, you do, don't you? You know, I do up and down canal towpaths and um, hawthorn has been stunning this year along with pyrocantha and catoniaster i have to say pyrocanthas this year have been really really gorgeous folks and catoniasters i think we're uh, we might be in for a decent winter you know because uh, that's the old fallacy i think that uh, decent good uh, or decent bad uh, decent bad oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah get lots of fruit and um <laughs> we should do a little slot on on old adages you know old wives tales you know 
I can do. No problem. I could do some research on yeah, that. Yeah, should we do that next week? Stuff. Yeah, why yeah, not? Yeah, that would be nice. I've got yeah. one. Go on, then. It's not seasonal, but it's just a saying. Red sky at night. Yes. Bloody barns are light. <laughs> <laughs> so we can start with that one, but, yeah, we'll add to the list. Fire! <laughs> the fair's on fire. But I do remember waxing lyrical with you in May about yeah. Hawthorne and when you drive, you know, drive down the dual carriageway wherever you are and, you know, tree-lined either side or hedgerow-lined either side, should I say, in the case of Hawthorne, and the blossom was like breaking waves. It was like the parting of the sea, but it was just so amazing. The white blossom cascading over the hedgerows was just a sight to behold in the spring of this year. Gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. It's a gorgeous tree anyway, and, you know, um, Hawthorne is wonderful, absolutely superb for wildlife. Over 1,500 invertebrates will occupy a hawthorn tree, folks. Really? So, yeah, definitely. So if you're actually going to plant something, plant a hawthorn. Crataegus monogena uh, is uh, a wonderful, wonderful indigenous tree for this country. Sticks them in the ground, and, of course, you can make hedges from them, as Molly says, or mix them into a wildlife hedge with quickthorn, blackthorn, Rosa rugosa, all those sorts of things. Get a clematis in there, a honeysuckle in there, and you'll have a wonderful, wonderful uh, habitat for things just to come in and make a wonderful, happy, happy home. In the diary. Ooh. I'm actually going to put that in as a potential slot. Oh, yes. What makes a good hedge? Yeah. I mean, you've just outlined a few there, but should we do um? Should we do a should we do a hedge slot at some point? We can do a do a hedge slot like at some that. point. Yeah, okay, yeah. Put it in the diary. So we can talk about formal hedges, informal hedges, small hedges, security big hedges, hedges, security hedges. Yeah, most definitely. And what the what is the benefit of a hedge? Yeah, definitely. Okay, it'll be entitled hedge, hedge. with Darren Rudge. <laughs> or hedge your bets. Oh wait, Darren. <laughs> That was brilliant. Rudge hedge, hedge rudge. Fredge. We could start a hedge fund. Oh, wait, you can have another one. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're well. You're on fire today, Darren. I'm on very, fire. very pleased with you. It's because I've had my hair cut. Have you? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Now, let me tell you, dear pod listener, if, uh, if you don't know. I didn't know Darren had had his hair cut, but I do know Darren. And when Darren has his hair cut, he doesn't just have his hair cut. You have the full experience. Have you been to... Um, oh, I have, yes. Have you had the full experience? Oh, I've had the full experience oh, from Josh. <laughs> <laughs> What's Josh done to you? Oh, describe it. Well, yes. you know, he uh, manipulates my hair. And then it's the hot towels at the end. Is it now? It's just, it's just you know, <laughs> I, I, I get a bit worried because they manipulate your eyeballs. They've got the hot towel on and then they sort of push into your eyeballs. And do, I'm thinking if you push much too hard, you'll, pop. You, you'll be into the brain. So you get, do you go to <laughs> Turkish barbers? Uh, I don't Turkish? normally, no. Oh, it's not Turkish. No. It's just it's, the barber it's, experience. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's just... Uh, a pretty unique barbershop where I go um, because it's it's. Has it got has it got has it got um has it got frosted windows? No. Okay. <laughs> What's unique about it then? <laughs> well, it's it's sort of Peaky Blinderish. You know, I like Peaky Blinders. I do, yeah. And for people in uh, Ho Chi Minh City, um, you'll have to look it up on the interweb. <laughs> 
but it's 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 sort of like that. It's like a really old fashioned shop, and I just have a scissors cut and things like that. But you'll be pleased because I've kept the bulk of my beard this time. I haven't had my beard sort of trimmed back to a. I normally have a number four done on my beard, but I've you had a big it. beard when I saw you last yeah, week. Yeah, well, I've sort of had it trimmed up and tidied. Yeah, but actually, the 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 depth and the bulk is still there. Oh, good. I'll send you a photo. The depth and the bulk. Yeah, send me a photo of your depth and bulk. <laughs> that would be brilliant. Send it now. Do a little selfie and send me. Okay. Come on, I've got my phone let's, with let's, me now. Let's see if I can. Uh... See, Darren and I were together this time last week. We were knee to knee in this room. And now Darren's gone home to the black country. Have you got it? Oh, there you are. Do you know who you look like? Who is it now? Be careful. <laughs> Just with your gorgeous smile. You <laughs> smile like Stan Laurel. Your whole oh, face <laughs> lights up. You're so sweet, Darren. Thank you. Oh, no, I quite like the, uh, what did you say, the depth and the... the and the bulk. The bulk. No, so it's a yeah. good depth and bulk. And, and Josh recommended that, you said. Yes, good old Josh. I, said, I like your depth and bulk. We'll keep it. Oh, that's nice. Good. Yeah. Right, let's carry on. Right, where are we now? <laughs> We've done that. We've done that. Are we on page two? We've yeah, done, we are on page two. Yeah. Oh, we're doing well today. today. We've got Andy. <laughs> we've got Andy Lamb coming up very, very shortly. Gorgeous Andy with the history of the foxglove, which will be very interesting. However, let's get back to Paul Hetherington from Bug Life. Now we've already heard about is a garden spider a house spider that's outside? Is a house spider a garden spider that's inside? We've busted that <laughs> myth. Uh, let's find out now just how important spiders are in the chain of the garden. Paul, we get asked ever so often on uh, on the Happy Garden podcast, obviously we talk about gardens, and about how the garden works, the chain. How important are spiders in the chain, in the life of the garden? Spiders are crucially important in the, in the whole web of life, if you excuse the pun there. <laughs> Good. Um, they catch all sorts of flying insects and keep them under control. And if you ever look at a spider's web, particularly in the summer months, you'll see it full of things like aphids. Um, so they're really good at so-called pest control. Um, but also, of course, they are a great food source for things like birds. Uh, but also beyond birds, some of the smaller mammals like voles will eat spiders. Hedgehogs may eat spiders. Even badgers might eat spiders. So they are providing food in the food chain for some of the sort of you know, higher up the chain. But they're so important for keeping the things that we consider to be garden pests under control and in check and keeping numbers down. One thing we can appreciate the beauty of, Paul, is their webs. Wow. I was out the other morning. In fact, it was my husband that pointed it out to me. There was a most beautiful spider's web. I mean, I don't know what created it. Oh, obviously a spider. I don't know which type created it. But it had strands that were going up a good seven foot up to the top of the sunflower heads. How? How on earth they engineered that? I mean, they must have... Well, I don't know, either leapt off the sunflower head and landed somewhere and anchored or... I mean, the engineering is amazing of a web. Yeah, I mean, they are fantastic and that will almost certainly be one of the orb-web spiders, which, of course, you find in the garden, such as the garden cross spider, which is the most common one. And, yeah, they do make webs that are, you know, three, four metres across sometimes, so incredible incredible feats of engineering and this is a great time of year to really appreciate them if it's been so, yeah, that little bit cold overnight you'll go out and you've got the, yeah. the dew glistening on the spider's webs that really shows them up um incredible work um built really really quickly and of course spider's web is a really really strong material how would they do that how would an orb or whatever type of spider build webs 
that large? Do they literally leap off things and the and and the breeze, the breeze takes them, or do they know where they're going? How on earth is that made? Well, I mean, initially they will, you know, to get the first long strands in, they may well have to do a, a big leap, leap from face, you know A yeah. to B, but they'll then start to move it out and stretch it out into other places. Um, but I mean, spiders are so incredible the way they can use their web. Um, there's a, a number of spiders, and a lot of the money spiders in particular, use webs to disperse because when spiders have their babies, you get this big cluster of them in, a, in an area, and then when they all hatch out, the little spiderlings go up to a height and they make themselves a tiny little piece of webbing like a parachute on a windy day, and then the wind carries them off, and that's how they disperse. Otherwise, you'd end up with hundreds of spiders all in one spot competing with one another, but by you know, this clever method of dispersal, they spread themselves around. How long do they live, spiders? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Or is it different for every species? It, it depends from species to species. But I mean, some of the larger spiders, you, you know, you know, tarantulas and that, which people often do keep as pets. You're looking at seven, eight-year lifespan for something that sort of size. And, well, again, the ladybird spider, that will live around about seven years. Well, just as a final question, we're autumn now. We're talking spiders. We're seeing them everywhere. Paul, when it comes to proper deep winter, where are the garden spiders? I mean, they don't sort of hibernate as such, do they? But where do they live? Where do they hide? Where do they survive in our gardens in the winter? So they will look for places that will provide a degree of shelter from the cold. So it's in leaf piles, um, in loose bits of bark on trees. Um, and nowadays, of course, they'll go into things like louvre shuttering on the outside of a building and uh, some of these sort of, you know, bug boxes that people create for them to go into. Smaller spiders can easily crawl into a fur cone. So basically something that's going to give them that little bit of protection from the cold. Paul Hetherington there from Bug Life. No doubt he'll join us again on the Happy Garden podcast soon. Um, yeah, as strange as they do look, Darren, they are amazing. They're phenomenal little creatures, spiders. Spiders are great, aren't they? Great creatures. And, you know, we, we need to be respectful of them, not frightened of them. Yeah. I mean, I don't like spiders in the bedroom at night, I must admit. But, you know, uh, out in the garden, it's not a problem for me to come across a spider. <laughs> do you know what you've just reminded me of? I was What's lying that? in bed last night... Yeah. Now, you know, I, in the diary is mice. For yeah. the next couple of weeks, we will do something on mice. Lying in bed last night, and I could hear a mouse in the bedroom. It's nothing new. <gasps> and I could hear it gnawing at something. And I lay there thinking, right. well, what are you... I was, you know when you're, you're almost asleep, when you've latched on to sleep? So I thought, I can't get up because then I'll be white. Why do I... So, you know. So I got a pillow and I threw it in the direction of <laughs> what I could Noise. hear. Noise. Yeah. And it stopped. It obviously ran away. But it was back ten minutes later, making the same <laughs> making the same noise. 
Yeah. No, I tell you what exactly what it was under, or what it was after, under one of the drawers in the bedroom, sort of the, the, a piece of furniture in the bedroom. Um, I have got some Christmas stuff that I, I bought last year and some stuff I've already been buying this year, little Christmas puddings, and it's food, basically. And it's in a big plastic curver box, a shallow curver box, but it's quite a sort of a big one and it's stuffed underneath the drawer. It was gnawing that, the sense of smell that mice have must be amazing. To smell things that are in packets, in a curver box, under a piece of furniture, I think I've underestimated the mice. Well, all I can say, Molly, is we have a pantry that's hermetically sealed. <laughs> you cannot get in or, sealed. or out. Yeah, right. But there's, a, but there's a mouse in there. So how Just on earth? How? How? Well, this is it. Where is it coming from? How is it getting in? Thematically. It's thematically sealed. It's, you know. It is in the so, diary. for I've, it's Woodland Trust. I must get in touch with the Woodland Trust to find out just what on earth. It's like spiders. They are Everything's coming in. And the fly that I was chasing with the tea towel before we started the podcast today, everything wants to come in. I mean, we must, you know, we must, we mustn't be selfish. We must share our heated homes to a point. But according to Paul, those spiders aren't coming in. No, they were already here. <laughs> They're already here. Here all the time. See, all these things, mice, spiders, all these things, even the ladybirds now, I know they're there somewhere, but they do a good job of hiding, don't they? I love the fact that Paul said they don't like us because we're big. <laughs> Imagine how scary it must be to a spider, especially if, how many eyes do they have? Six million. <laughs> no, that's legs. Oh, that's legs, isn't it? <laughs> I think about six million. Imagine six, six million of us in your side. Uh, if you want to use and abuse Darren, you would be more than welcome. We pimp him out every week here on the Happy Garden Podcast. <laughs> so anything that you need to know. And don't forget, we're not here just for problem solving. Um, if you want to share tips and success stories in your garden, propagation, maybe you followed some of Darren's rose propagation tips from a couple of weeks ago or vegetable propagation from last week, then drop us a line, drop us a photo, which would be good. The Happy Garden yeah. Podcast at gmail.com. We like pictures, don't we? Yeah, I mean, a photo is brilliant. Um, and we, we like to have a nose around in people's gardens, don't we? Have a look in <laughs> people's houses. houses as well. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So, uh, so if you send us a picture of your plant, we, we're going to look yeah. in the background. Just, just make sure you dust. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, the first comment is normally, nice curtains. <laughs> right, let's get on to uh, Andy Lound because he's been waiting for a little while. But we are going to be doing, well, Darren will be doing begonia care for you very, very shortly. After... The beautiful, the fantastic, the amazing and astounding Andy Lounding. Today, well, it's Andy Lound. Today, he is going to teach us about the history of the foxglove. It's Amaze and Astound with Andy Lound. That's me. Hello, Molly and Darren. Today's potted history is that wonderful plant, the foxglove, or digitalis. This plant goes down in history as bridging the gap between the wise women herbalists and the scientific medical doctors. Many plants have been used for medicinal purposes. The oldest written evidence of medicinal plants' usage for preparation of drugs has been found on a Sumerian clay slab from Nagpur approximately 5,000 years ago. It comprised 12 recipes for drug preparation, referring to over 250 various plants, some of them alkaloids such as the poppy, henbane and mandrake. 
Many of the herbalists in history were women, and these wise women were vital to a community, often living on the edge of a village or town surrounded by many plants. These women would be persecuted as witches, mainly because the Catholic Jesuit order insisted that all medical practitioners should have a degree from one of their universities and be male. The practice continued. The most famous book produced which described medicinal plants was that of Nicholas Culpepper, whose book of 1652 described the use of numerous plants. Dr William Withering, member of the Lunar Society in Birmingham, was interested in herbalism and he studied Culpepper's work and the more scientific work of Paracelsus. The breakthrough for Withering came when in 1784 he found that Mrs Hutton was able to cure some of his patients. He visited her to find out what she was giving them. After some haggling and exchange of monies, she gave him the recipe. It was a mix of herbs and plants. He carried out experiments to see which ingredient was having the desired effect. He found it was digitalis, the foxglove. The foxglove is native to Europe, Western Asia and northwestern Africa. The flowers are tubular in shape, produced on a tall spike and vary in colour with species, from purple to pink, white and yellow. The scientific name means finger. Digitalis can be very toxic, hence it appears to be part of the plant's defensive system, but used sparingly, Withering found it could be used to treat conditions of the heart. He published in 1785, and this led to more scientific studies of plants as medicines. The actual chemical in Digitalis is called digoxin, and was isolated from the plant in 1930, which led to it being synthesised for drug use. Plants are nature's chemical factories, producing millions of chemicals, some of which are potentially useful. Aspirin is probably the best known, produced from the willow, and has been used since 400 BCE as a painkiller and for reducing fevers. Yet it is only relatively recently that the mechanisms of how these chemicals work have been discovered, which has improved drug production. Here is an important point. The chemical synthesised in a laboratory has exactly the same formula as the one produced in a plant. So digitalis produced dioxin has a chemical formula C41H64O14. The lab produced is the same. So when people say they prefer herbal treatments rather than chemicals, they are actually taking chemicals produced by plants. And not pure either, as plants will have a combination of chemicals and these combinations could be dangerous. The scientific revolution in the analysis of plants for medicinal purposes began with the foxglove a side issue was that digitalis is an effective poison that breaks down in the body without a trace. Thus, it was a favourite plant for women who wanted to bump off their husbands. So, Molly and Darren, I think I need to check this salad carefully. That lettuce looks terribly suspicious. So, Molly and Darren, more from the potting shed next time. Oh, thank you, Andy. <laughs> Fabulous as always. He's great. Isn't he? I always look forward. No offence, Andy, but I do always look forward to the end of his bits. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> always something amusing. <laughs> he's brilliant, though, isn't he? He's I mean, ace. his knowledge is absolutely excellent. Well, we ought to say, if there's anything that you want Andy Lound to explore, and we always say this, you can chuck any word at Andy Lound and he can do you a synopsis. He can do you a dissertation. He knows everything about everything. And if he doesn't know, then he'll certainly find out for you. So, again, the Happy Garden Podcast at gmail.com for anything you'd like Andy to find out about for you. So, Darren, you're going to do your bulb propagation special in just a few minutes' time. Looking forward to that. Yeah. 
just from a single bulb. How many bulbs do you think you can get, Molly? Mm, well, see, I didn't even know you could do I'm this. Tell you, well, yes. yeah. it's a bit sort of witchcrafty. Oh, harking <laughs> back to last week. Well, we'll do that for you very, very shortly. First, let's get to John in Wolverhampton. Uh, he has emailed the Happy Garden Podcast at gmail.com. Molly, Darren, could you do a little snippet on begonia care, please? I normally lift mine when they finish flowering and dry out the corms for next year. As I've got a garden full of them, it can be a big job. Would they flower as well if I left them in pots and baskets over the winter months? Loving the podcast, guys. Regards, John in wolves. Hi John. Well John you can leave them in pots and baskets but the risk that you take is um, that they will rot so that's why we take them out of the pots and the baskets uh, dry them off Make sure there's no damage, and you can buy what's called a puffer pack, which is sulphur, and any sort of damage on the corm itself, just give it a little puff of sulphur, and it's like an antiseptic, and it basically will clear the cut and the wound and will help the uh, the wound to actually heal and seal itself. But you can wrap them in newspaper, John, and then just store them away somewhere cool and dark for the winter months. Or you can put them into dry compost and, again, just store them away somewhere cool and dark. Make sure all the green growth is off them. Any soil or any compost, make sure that that is off them and they're nice and clean. And then just store them away. Uh, like I said, uh, you can leave them in the baskets and the pots, but the risk that you actually run is that they will sit in wet compost and they will just rot. So that's why we tend to take them out. Just check them. You can propagate them really, really easily by just cutting them into quarters and then letting them uh, just store over winter and then pot them up. Perhaps do it in the spring. So if you do actually dry them out, when once you get them to activate into growth during the spring months when the temperature uh, starts to rise, cut them into four and then just pot them up and you'll have four plants for the price of one. Really, really simple technique for you to use there. And that's the way to deal with your begonias, really. Thank you, John. Thank you very, very much for your question. The Happy Garden Podcast at gmail.com if you want Darren to answer anything for you. Um, bulb propagation special in just two ticks. However, Darren, do you know who I can see out the window? No. Oh! Guess who is... Well, you won't guess, but I'll just say, guess who is at the top of the oak tree over there, three o'clock to my right, top branch, little splatter of white on her head, so I know it's her. It's Crozophene. Who's Crozophene? Crozophene. <laughs> Have I not told you about Crozophene? No, no. Crozophene is a crow that I rescued. Yeah, well, I guessed that bit. Did you? Yeah. Oh, she's so, so lovely. And the fact that she still hangs around is just amazing. Long story short, and it's not a nice story, so I will really, really cut this short. There's a horrible man who shoots down the road. And whenever he's finished shooting, I go and just check if anything's still alive. One week, Crozophene was the one that was still alive. So I oh. nursed her back to her. She'd been shot in the wing. Nursed her back to health. Uh, we're quite good friends. I do love, I love Corvids. And we let her go. And there she is. Quite often, I'll find her. She's at the top on that branch there. I know exactly where she sits, and she's got a tiny bit of white on her head. So I know it's her. And there she is. Wonderful. Shall I send you a picture? You're lovely. Yeah, send me a photo. I'd love to see crows, Yeah, hang on a second. Let me take, I'll take a little video. There we are, and zoom in. Ah, oh, hello, crows, Yeah, let me send this to you. One second. Got my phone open. There you are. Have you got that? Have you got that? You see her <laughs> oh, at the top yeah. of the tree? Yeah. Oh! <laughs> Isn't she gorgeous? She's lovely, yeah. Hello. Oh. Anyway, I just thought I'd tell you. Anyway, back to, <laughs> back to the happy garden. <laughs> Sorry. Just as you were answering that question, I was just leaning back in my chair and I happened to look outside and I thought, oh, look who he is. So I thought I'd share. 
Anyway, shall we do your... <laughs> I'm random, aren't I? But interesting. No, it's all right. We Am understand I... you now. You? <laughs> <laughs> After just... about 15 years of knowing you, I think I've just got to the point where I understand you. Yeah, OK. I find it, I find it interesting anyway. Let's do your bulb propagation special. Yeah. Now, I didn't even... I had no idea that you could do this with bulbs. Go ahead, Darren, impart your knowledge. Well, many bulbs readily multiply by producing offsets without any help from the gardener folks. As well as taking advantage of this, it's quite simple to grow more of your favourite bulbs using just a few other techniques, including things like scaling, bulbils, which is Molly's favourite word, Love it. seed and division. Here's one thing that you can do if you uh, happen to dig up a bulb. They do need to have been planted, folks, for you to do this. Perhaps have had a year in the garden. And it's called chipping. It's a really simple method uh, for you to uh, make lots and lots of bulbs from a single bulb. And the work method works really well for daffodils, hippiastrums, alliums, fritillarias, irises and hyacinths. Uh, any of those you can use this method for. And what you do is you lift a mature bulb out of the ground, make sure it's virus-free and it's leafless and it's dormant. So this time of year is absolutely excellent. Remove any of the papery outer skin and trim back the roots with a sharp knife. Remove the growing tip or the nose of the bulb. So just cut that off completely, folks. It's really important that you do that because you want these things to concentrate on making roots, not making the shoot. Hold the bulb with the base plate uppermost. Now, the base plate is the bit at the bottom and cut into 8 or 16 sections. These are called chips each of a similar size, depending on the bulb size. And make sure each chip has a portion of the basal plate. So the basal plate, you'll see the roots coming off, so each chip should have a portion of the basal plate and a few roots attached to it. Now leave them to drain for around about 12 hours because they'll be quite wet and fleshy, so leave them to drain. Place the chips in a clear plastic bag containing 10 parts fine vermiculite to one part water. Then blow up the bag with air and seal it and then label it. It's really important that you label it with the, the, uh, the name of the bulb and the date you actually propagated it. Keep the bag in a dark place at around about 68 degrees Fahrenheit, that's 20 degrees Celsius, for around about 12 weeks. That's why it's important you pop a, a, a date on it in the first place. Checking occasionally to remove any rotting chips. During storage, the scales or the layers of each chip will separate into bulblets. The, these will form Aww. new bulbs at the basal plate, folks. Now, after 12 weeks, pot the chips into individual three-inch pots of free-draining, loam-based compost, such as John Innes number two, and insert the chips with the basal plate downwards and the bulblets covered by about half an inch in compost and leave the scales exposed. They will slowly rot away and the bulblets will develop. And then what you'll have is lots and lots and lots of new bulbs. And if they're narcissus, if they're irises, you'll have around about 8 to 16 plants from one bulb that you've actually propagated. So go on, have a go at chipping some of your favourite bulbs at this time of year, folks. It's an excellent time to do it. All you need is a bulb somewhere dark and warm, like the airing cupboard, and you'll propagate hundreds and hundreds of your favourite bulbs. There you go, Molly. What do you think about that? 
I just love the word bulblet. I might call my next dog bulblet. Yeah. Come here, bul- 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 bill. Bull bill. Come here, bull bill. <laughs> bulblet. <laughs> bulblet green, please. I always think when you call, you know, your dogs or your cats called in the uh, veterinary surgery. It's very embarrassing. Bulblet green, please. They always put my surname on my pets. Bear so we, we, We've got a dog called Molly, as you know. Yeah. And when we take her to the vets, the vet comes out and goes, Molly Rudge. I like that. <laughs> I really like that. I do, I do. It's nice. Oh, so if the go. other dog was there, it would be Bear Rudge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that sounds quite macho, doesn't it? <laughs> it Bear does, Rudge. actually. Bear Rudge. That would be a really good name. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Thank you. Oh. Darren. Yes. Hello. 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 Hi. <laughs> what do you call a man oh, no. who can't yeah, stand up? Go on. Neil. <laughs> That's so obvious. That's yet, so yet obvious. You did, yet you didn't get it. No one know. <laughs> Not fair. Uh, do you think you can do better? Yes. Prepare yourselves. Okay. After, I've done Nigel West Brom, who says, Recently in the garden, Molly Darren, I've been putting all the herbs in alphabetical order. How do I find time, you ask? He says it's easy. Um, go on. <laughs> it's after parsley. Yeah, right, right next to the sage. Good. Get in there. See, I knew that one. And then, and then at the end he says, P.S., which reminds me, I must get some bulbs and plant them for the spring. I think Naughty. A- <laughs> Naughty, man. <It's> sarcasm. Naughty. <laughs> Brilliant. Right, let's see if you can do better. Now in the happy garden. It's about time for some Alan Titters. Brace yourself for your gardening jokes of the week from Darren Rudge. Brace yourselves. Come on then, Dazzler. Let's see. The- Let the dog see the rabbit. Did you hear, Molly, about the piece of corn that was forever getting into trouble? Corn. Trouble forever. No? He used to get quite an earful from his mother. <laughs> good, Darren, good. I'm pleased with you on that one. Well, okay. Next. Why did the car- carrot make a hair appointment? Carrot. Oh, I don't know. Its roots were showing. Good, yeah, also good. Good, Darren. Next. Why was the salad so very, very tired? Um, oh, I was hoping I'd work this one out, but I don't know. They've been tossing and turning oh, all night. There we go, the word tossing. Good, Darren. Who prompted, oh, sorry, what prompted them? <laughs> what do, you st- prompted, do you want to start that again? Yeah. It's the, way, it's the way you tell them, Darren. Go. What prompted the last massive vegetable protest? Vegetable? Don't know. Privileged information was leaked. That's tenuous, isn't it? Five out of ten. (laughs) All right. Next. What horror movie do all vegetables love? God, nothing to do with ketchup, is it? I don't know. Silence of the Yams. Oh! I I like that. Any bonus jokes, or is that it? Five out of five? No, good, good. Quite pleased with you on that score, Darren. It's all right. There was only one that was a bit iffy. Yeah, it was, number, was it number four? Just number four, yeah. Let yourself down. You let me down. <laughs> you let the whole school down. <laughs> so said the inflatable boy. Sorry. <laughs> That's the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
got something for you, Darren. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, it's nice. <laughs> What's that, then? I found this the other day. Hmm. Listen. Darren is born on a Christmas day, on a Christmas day, to save the lives of the plants, give a new life through the year. Tom. Oh, Tom! Oh, Tom! Listen to Tom singing. I wonder if Tom listens to our podcast. I don't know. We'd love to hear from Tom, wouldn't mm, we? Mm. He was always making up um, beautiful he songs, was. and that one was dedicated to Darren's birthday, which, as you just yeah. heard, is Christmas Day. It's Christmas Day. Darren was sent to save the lives the life of, of the, the plants. plants. <laughs> I like the way he says plants. <laughs> He's very posh. He's from Warwickshire. Plants. <laughs> Let's hear it again. Darren is born on a Christmas day, on a Christmas day, to save the lives of the plants, give a new life through the year. There's a bit of vibratum there as well. He's very good. He's great, Tom. Tom. If you're still listening. give us a call. Well, no, no, there's no phone number. All right. Well, get in touch. Leave us your (laughs) phone number and we might call you, yeah. The Happy Garden Podcast at gmail.com. Oh, I'll tell you what was on um, the Happy Garden podcast Facebook page this week, which made me guffaw, Darren. From what Mick, was that? Mick, from Mick. Uh, the picture of, it says, it might be Halloween, Molly, but my beans, tomatoes and bulbs are already making an appearance. And he, <laughs> he sent a picture <laughs> of a raised bed. Have you seen this? <laughs> and in it no. is a tin of Heinz baked beans, a tin of peeled plum tomatoes <laughs> and a light bulb. So he's got he's got his uh, tomatoes, bulbs, and beans making an appearance. That really did make me laugh. Fantastic, Dazzler Pants. We're almost done. Wow, I know. That's gone really quick. Well, that's because we have been quick. We're obviously getting more efficient because normally it takes us three hours (laughs) 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 to construct the Happy Garden podcast. We're only at an hour twenty, so we've done. I'm very pleased with us both today. I thought I was sleeping at your place last week. <laughs> at one I... point, Darren went all small and he went, I'd like to go home now. <laughs> no, please. Can I see my mummy? Yes. Please. I need to go home. So, yeah, we're obviously getting far more efficient, which is great. We've got jobs for the week ahead. Um, yeah. What are you doing um, when we finish, though? Because we'll be done in about five minutes' time. What does this afternoon hold for you? Well, this afternoon holds a study pack, <laughs> which I'll send to you. No. Yeah, and you haven't done your homework from your previous study pack that I sent. Uh, so I'm a bit disgusted about it. What, what are you still constructing, yeah. study packs? Yeah, well, we're writing as we go because we're teaching a new programme. It's brand new for the whole country. Oh, go on, what so, are you doing? Uh, well, it's an RHS certificate mm. and it's a Level 3 certificate in practical horticulture. That's what I'm teaching at the moment. Explain the levels, actually, Darren. You mentioned Level 3. I mean, what's what's the scale? Well, Level 3 is sort of an, an advanced level, so it's an A level or an, um, an AS level. Level 2 is like your old-fashioned O level mm. or a zoology that's where, and level one is introductory. So that's basically how it works. They're all sort of pre higher education, but actually, level three can form what we call a foundation certificate to move into higher education if you want to move on to a horticultural degree in any way. It's deeper thinking, and that's the problem. <laughs> it's because I'm sitting here deep thinking <laughs> when I'm writing these study packs. But you've seen them, haven't you? Seen someone come they are study fabulous. packs. They're well, all right, aren't they? What kind of people do you teach? What's the sort of the demographic of, of, of people who, who, who study under you? It's the whole range, Molly. Um, we get uh, very few youngsters 
um, sort of 16, 17-year-olds because people normally go into employment and then decide that whatever they've decided to do is not for them and horticulture is. Mm. So we get people in their 20s, basically, right the way through to uh, mature retired people. I've got people in my classes that are there, as I've said, in their 20s. Um, I've got people working at historic gardens, at garden centres, people that are self-employed, right the way through to uh, retired people, people that have had, um, you know, a life and a career. Uh, We've got doctors, solicitors, nurses, all sorts of people coming to us that just want to get into gardening and horticulture. It's absolutely fabulous. What would be the oldest age that you've had studying? Um, The the oldest person I've ever had was in their 80s. Oh, amazing. We used to do uh, what was called lifelong learning courses and unfortunately they're no longer available because of funding and things like this. But lifelong learning courses were were absolutely fabulous. We used to get loads of retired people that come along and just have a go at gardening. It's fantastic. Really great. I love what you do. Brilliant. Oh, thank you. I do as well. (laughs) Good job. If you love what you do, then you never work a day in your life. Well, exactly. That's it. And I always say to people that I go to work to enjoy myself. So I go to work to have some fun. Yeah. Uh, and that's exactly what we do, is we have fun in the classroom. Do you know, I waved my husband off to work uh, this morning, literally, oh. literally out the window. But as as before he left, as he was doing his flask and, and getting his lunchbox ready, I did say, because we could already see it was going to be the most beautiful day today, that the sky mm. was already blue as the, and the sunrise, the peach and the orange colours in the sky. We knew it was going to be a lovely day. And I did say to him, how lucky are you? So many people work in an office. So many people will be suited and booted. Nothing wrong with it of course and nothing wrong with office work at all but I just said how lucky are you that your office today because he works in he's a bit of an arborealist and he does gardening and he's a bit like you Darren um, but I said how lucky are you that your office is under this blue sky today there is nothing nicer than being outside on day well any day but especially under the blue autumnal skies oh it's fantastic and it's what gives me a total and utter buzz it really, really is. Being outside, working environment. You know, at the college I used to work for, um, this was the problem that I was a manager and I was looking too much at spreadsheets right. rather than being outside. You know, I was made redundant and that probably did me a massive favour. What I do now is so diverse. Never, ever know what the uh, what the day holds and uh, it's a constant challenge. And that's what's great about it. That's what's great about gardening is you never, ever, ever know what you're going to come across. And every day is a new challenge. And that's how it should be. It's fantastic. It's really nice when I message you at any point of the week about anything and I say, you know, how are you, what are you doing? Oh, there's always a different reply. I can never say, like, Darren's doing this midday on a Tuesday. Darren's doing this no. three o'clock on a Thursday because every day is different. It's, it's a real privilege. Yeah, it is. And it, and it is. That's the word. It's a real, real privilege to do what I do and the, the many things that I actually get into. It is a fantastic oh, privilege. Darren. I can see another diary entry coming in just to finish with. I'm putting this on the, a future Go on, then. podcast list as well. Um, and that is a change of professional direction. Now, I'm thinking we, you could... I say we, and then I quickly changed it to you. You... <laughs> You could do a slot on this on a future podcast if there is anybody listening who is sick to the back teeth of their job, whatever field it's in. I mean, horticulture, what a profession. And and, and, and you're the person to ask about it. So should I stick that down for a podcast in future? Most definitely. 
And I think you ultimately have to be very, very brave to make a massive change in your life. But there are so many people that are doing this, folks, and we inspire so many people to actually do this. And there's lots and lots and lots of support out there. It's why I run a community interest company as well, Molly, because we're helping people to change their lives. And our strapline for that, that company is growing people through plants. So that's what we do. Fabulous. That's another thing. I'm putting that in the diary as well. <laughs> Plug Darren's <laughs> business. Plug Darren's business. Yeah. Please do. There we go. That's in the diary as well. We have so much fun to have in future podcasts. Shall we try and uh, finish this one, though, with some jobs for the week ahead? Yes. <laughs> now in the happy garden oh i say sweetie this is my favorite bit time for darren to be absolutely flabulous and regale us with his gardening jobs for the week ahead well, yes. go okay make sure that all the fallen leaves are raked off your lawn or how about getting the lawnmower out, stick it on its highest cut, folks, and then mow those leaves and collect in a bag. They're already shredded then, and you can make leaf mould. Leaf mould is really simple to do. Pop it into an old compost bag or a polythene bag. Tiddle on it. Yes, I did mention tiddle on it. Put some bone meal in there, and then leave it for around about eight months, and you'll have wonderful leaf mould you can return to the garden. If your lawns are very wet, then don't walk on them, folks. But when once you can walk, on them, aerate them, scarify them and it's still not too, too late to put an autumn weed and feed down and bulk that lawn up for the uh, winter. Mowing can continue during drier spells so you can keep it tidy and tidy up those lawns. Fruit trees and bushes can be planted now. Control weeds and grass around fruit trees and bushes as well and prune and tie in train trees such as your apples and your pears and your espaliers and your cordons and just make sure that you just have a really good tidy up. Any weeds that are around, weed them out of your garden spaces and check for pests in your greenhouse and your conservatory. And finally, stop watering. Leave plants on the dry side now and certainly do not feed any of your houseplants. You're wasting your time and most of all, you're wasting your money. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Darren. And for once, not for once... That makes it sound awful. But it will be a pleasure to follow your tips for uh, for jobs for the week ahead in this weather. There is nothing nice. It sort of bolsters you, doesn't it? You want to be outside. You want to be creative and proactive and, you know, physically doing stuff in this weather. Um, I think everyone will follow your jobs this week. Yeah, it's a gorgeous weather and a gorgeous day to be out there today. Just get out there. All you've got to do is step outside, folks, mm. and you might just be surprised. Even on dull days in winter, though, even I mean, it is like today, the blue sky, it's just it doesn't it does my mental health so much good. The colours against the blue sky. But even on a grey day, the colours I said the other day, driving down the dual carriageway, I don't know if there were London plane trees. I'm not sure what was flanked. In fact, it wasn't a dual carriageway. It was just a big road. I think we were flanked with London plane trees. And I said to my husband, it's like the the whole ground either side was covered with crunchy nut cornflakes. That was the exact colour. So even on a grey day, the colours of autumn just, I think, do your mental health good. I remember when my mum used to take myself and my sister out and we used to do crayon rubbings, like wax crayon rubbings. Yeah. 
of autumn leaves, like big yeah. autumn leaves, and we used to put them in a scrapbook. Yeah. I, just, I think just autumn does, does your soul good. They're lovely. Mm. Your mum's lovely. Oh, she is, isn't she? <laughs> we used to do brass rubbings of post boxes, I remember that, and then also the wax crayon rubbings of the, the big leaves that come down this time of year and we put them in a scrapbook as well fantastic it's lovely. absolutely fantastic and when um you know we do um children um sessions sessions with school children we get them to build a plant molly at this time of year mm. you know we get them to collect twigs and oh. leaves big piece of paper on the floor in the classroom and we just get them to stick things on nice. and uh, basically they make a plant so it's fantastic it's really great it is it's, it's great lovely fun. inspirational great fun. time of year well, for next week on the Happy Garden uh, podcast, Darren, I've got so much in the diary, but I don't, I don't want to say too much in case it doesn't come off. So we yeah. don't, we don't. <laughs> exactly. Leave them wanting for Leave more. Wanting more. Uh, one thing though, as we have been recording the pod today, our Dazzler, I've just got a lovely email in, okay. which uh, hopefully you will be able to deal with next week. Molly, Darren, loving the new podcast series. Thank you. Can I request a bit of information on Cyclamen? Okay. There are so many in the shops right now, big and small, all sorts of colours. Uh, now, see, I, Darren, I've asked you this before. Are these indoor house plants or should they be in the garden? Whenever I've bought them in the past at this time of year, they haven't lasted long. So I'm assuming either they don't like being indoors, but I'm not sure. I look forward to any advice. Keep up the smiles. And that's Robert in Wincanton in Somerset. So could you do a bit of a cyclamen slot? I will. I'll do a cyclamen special next week, Robert. The answer is quite simple. Okay. 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 And also another one, but hopefully this will be next week. But we'll we'll see. We like to leave things fluid. But another one on question on another question on mushrooms. And Darren, we must have had at least four or five in this week about mushrooms in the garden. Are they poisonous? Why are they there? Should we get rid of them? Can I eat them? That's the the predominant question. Can I eat them? So whether it's next week or a couple of weeks on the agenda, very very soon on the Happy Garden podcast, we will address mushrooms. And, and Darren, you're good on mushrooms because. I'm a fun guy. Yeah, we go. Oh, hey. I'll set it up. You kick it in. <laughs> Fist bump. Fist bump. That's the one. Mic drop. So, yeah. <laughs> Lots coming up on next week's podcast. Well, in the next couple of weeks anyway. But thank you for listening today. What are you up to now then, Dazzler? you got to do your study packs. Well, I'm going to go and have a nice cup of coffee now. And, and then I might just have a walk and outside. Yeah. And then I've got a couple of study packs to do tonight. Pick some leaves. And prepare a, prepare a quotation oh. for a client <laughs> that I went to see this morning. Oh, fabulous. It's all, <laughs> all going the Rudge household. Yes. Well, thank you for listening to the Happy Garden podcast this week. And we will see you for another exciting jam-packed episode next week. Thank you, Desla. Happy gardening, folks. Ta-ra! Bye! You've been listening to Molly Green and Darren Rudge. If you'd like to get in touch with them, email thehappygardenpodcast at gmail.com or follow them on social media. Just search for The Happy Garden Podcast. Tune in next week for another edition and as Molly Green would always say... Happy gardening! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah, sorry. Happy gardening. Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.